Hello, and welcome to another episode of Artsy Engineering Radio. I am your host today, Matt Dole, and I'm joined by Carlos for a who are you and how did you get here style episode. It's been a while since I've done one of these. I'm really excited to get to talk with you, Carlos. Let's jump right in. Who are you? Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm Carlos. I'm Brazilian, and I live here in the west of Germany, Cologne. I'm a software engineer in Artsy. I work for Negotiate team, kind of deals with some transactions, beginning of this phase with our collectors and partners. So when did you join Artsy? I joined it last year. It was a funny story because I received like the invitation to talk from HR people, talent. I rejected because I just arrived at Germany and I didn't want to leave my, my current employer at that time. And then I said, oh, this is very shameful to say no, because I, I kind of know Artsy. I know like open source, everything. I had a friend in Brazil, he worked partially with Artsian competitors and he knew, he knew about Artsian, he told me about that. And then I said, okay, this is shameful, but I have to say no. But some stuff happened last year and I had to change my job. So then I talked back to this talent person and this person, oh, we still have open roles here to try, uh, want to try? And I said, okay, let's do, let's do it. And yeah, here I am. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm uh, very glad to have you. Lucky it worked out well for us. When did you start thinking of yourself as a software engineer? So when I was a teenager, a friend of mine introduced me RPG Maker. was kind of role-playing game uh, model that you can build your own game. But happens that the tool has some programming language on it. So I was able to declare my first variables and create some loops and interactions. I mean, you can create a very dummy game without touching that phase, but I wanted something more uh, complex, some, something nicer in the games I was experimenting. And, and then I, I was able to touch that coding language. I was always like this nerd guy, too much into video games. I was touching more computer. But when I was a teenager, that happened. And yeah, but that time was just fun stuff. It wasn't something like, oh, I want to really touch in some software engineering stuff. That time I never heard about it. It was kind of, I was in Brazil, was 22 years ago. For me, I was like, nah, I was a teenager. I just wa- wanted to play video games and this kind of stuff. But yeah, that was my first touch in something closer to a programming language itself. Later on, uh, my father left my, my home, so he kind of abandoned so me, my mom, my one middle brother, and I have two siblings. They are twins, and they had four years at that time. Mm-hmm. So we went through a very harsh phase. Our income from, from the home went down to almost zero. So we kind of struggled to survive. But that time, I found in God something that gave me hope. I was a Catholic, but non-practicant uh, Catholic. It was just it was just a naming stuff. But then uh, a friend of my my family he presented like the gospel through the Bible, and then I accepted Jesus in my life. So this was a breaking change. So when that my father left my place, we really went through through a harsh phase. Um, but I had some hopes in in Christ and. And then I got a, an opportunity later on to study for free. It was a public teaching school. 
uh, we don't have you don't have probably in the US, uh, but similar to Ausbildung here in Germany. Mm-hmm. So you kind of study and you have to do some internship hours. So it was a programming course. Um, I remember I was two years programming courses, like every single evening uh, was intense. And that was my first uh, interaction with HTML, JavaScript, jQuery, um, some base C++, P- Pascal. I had my first Windows application running .NET uh, 3.5 or in 4.0. After that course, I did some internship there, but it was a, a simple city and no opportunities in, the terms, in terms of high-tech companies or even like low-tech companies to, to really work in the area. After that, I, I found another jobs, but yeah, I, I really wanted to work in something related to IT. Then I got a, an opportunity to, to work where I studied. So mm-hmm. I was kind of IT assistant in there. So I was touching some complex infrastructure systems. And then I had some opportunity to work with some PHP. So just small changes in some backend code. Wasn't so complicated, no patterns at all. It was just uh, make it work. Yeah. Later on, I started my bachelor degree. That time I was living in a short city of, uh, of the state of Sao Paulo. I met my girlfriend there. She moved to back to Rio. She's from Rio. And then I moved to Rio. But first I found a job there, IT job as well. But was kind of mixed between infrastructure plus development. So I was working for the government. So it's kind of, you have to do a lot of bureaucracy. And yeah, but luckily, I don't, I, I don't say luckily. I think it was God's plan that time. So I was able to start touching more development code in there. I got a very nice uh, boss. She, she was like giving me a lot of opportunities to, to touch on a lot of stuff that I wanted. Implement like new stuff like React and Node.js. Mm-hmm. And then it was in 2015 that I was able to really touch, become more like software engineer than IT infrastructure or hopeless guy. Uh, this was like just this starting kick from from that on. Definitely sounds like a, a career path with a lot of twists and turns, right? You didn't start out saying, I am going to be a software developer and, you know, go do that, but more just kind of finding ways, you know, you were interested, right? You were engaged with uh, what you were learning, these different programming systems, and then also, um, you know, kind of working in the IT sector and finding opportunities to, to make your way closer to what we think of as programming or software development. Exactly. Uh, a lot of nice people came into my way to, to help me that that's giving like opportunity also. And how did you end up in Germany, right? That's a pretty big move from Brazil to Europe. So I wanted to live abroad. I got married in 2016 and I was saying to my wife, oh, I really want to try experience abroad, like living with a different language. Uh, in that time, I wasn't able to speak uh, English. I mean, I was able to read but like hearing some stuff in English was very hard to understand many words. And I had no like real uh, English study to say, oh, I know the language, I know the basic. Mm-hmm. So she, got, she said, okay, to the idea. So we were kind of on the same page. I started searching for remote works. Plus with English was my focus. So my first work in English was kind of internship was supposed to be paid. Mm-hmm. I remember this angel lists site. I don't know if you guys know. It's kind yeah, of sure. a lot of a lot of startups they created there. They 
advertise like job open roles. And then I, I subscribed to one and the guy answered me and I did a lot of tasks before uh, joining. And then he said, oh, you know, this is like unpaid. Uh, okay, but <laughs> said in the advertise that was like paid, like I don't know how many bucks, but and then he said, Oh no, it's not. And then I decided to say okay because I already went through all this process, screening process to get in. And then okay, it would be good for my English as well to try some. And then I I did some work, was Ioni, my first contact with Ioni, which is kind of angular thing, but like the uh, the dark side of React Native. too. And then I got some experience with English. And then later on, I really started in a company uh, in Texas, but was remote work uh, as well. And I was working with Node.js and cryptocurrency. That was a very funny and nice project. Yeah. And you were at that time working kind of freelance. You weren't part of like a you know organization that was hired? Freelancing. And after that, I moved to a company to work as a contractor. So this is more consultant, but it's a company based in Brazil, but they have headquarters in San Francisco. So most of the clients were kind of San Francisco, actually. And then I was all English, only with my Brazilian colleagues. We, we spoke in, uh, in Portuguese, but it was a very good uh, time to learn English. And then like, uh, I had some vacations from this company, and I went to UK to spend one month studying English, trying to... Polish and know some, yeah, just honing the skills to, you know, because it was kind of, it's hard to say some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Language learning is, is really a difficult uh, task for sure. I'm, you know, working on that with German right now. It's like, there's so much to learn. You don't realize how uh, much experience you have in your native language until you try to learn something new, right? It's a, it's a tricky thing. Yeah. Germans will become my their language, English is my second. And it's, it's, I can speak a little bit of Spanish, but it's not, I understand it's, it's painful. But yeah, I went there and also to try to live abroad for one month was kind of actually was five weeks. And then we could try, oh, let's see if we fit here before trying to move. Because we never been abroad, we never left Brazil at that time. And then yeah. we wanted to try that. So gladly it worked. So we were happy. Okay. We, we saw like security, a lot of benefits. I mean, the weather is not the best, but you cannot have the best of both worlds. But yeah, and then we said, okay, let's put some countries in the map. We might want to go in there. And then we mm -hmm. put Germany. Germany wasn't our first option, to be honest. We consider Iceland, Norway, Switzerland. But was it Germany kind of having a more receptive visa or work policy for people from other countries working in tech or what ended up landing you here? When this pandemic started, I was supposed to come to Germany before the pandemic. So we were applying to some jobs at, on Europe and then I decided, okay, maybe let's put Germany in the list because they have a very stable economy. They have a very solid mm -hmm. immigration process. So they have a lot of options. You have blue card, you have anything so and then we considered we knew the language is kind of hard to learn it's very hard but then we decided to to be bold and, and try it out on that that aspect uh other countries that we wanted to move in i passed it to throughout uh, throughout an interview process in norway mm -hmm. but then i the pandemic started and they could not hire me because the borders were shut 
And they, they said to me, oh, we're going to stay with, stick with someone from Scandinavia because right now we cannot afford waiting more. Mm. That's frustrating. Yeah. But yeah, luckily I came to, to Germany and was through first, my first contact with Germany was through Honeypots kind of company helps people. It's kind of middleman between companies and candidates for, for job opening roads. That's quite a path and quite a, a brave choice, right? To say, okay, I've never, you know, been out of Brazil before, but like, let's move to the UK for a month and practice English. Let's pick a country and try to, you know, get a job and move there. That's a big decision to make and uh, a kind of leap into the unknown, right? And I also uh, wanted to touch back on what you said about the uh, the first unpaid internship. You know, I feel like that is such a common story you hear about you know, companies sort of taking advantage of people looking to build their tech careers and saying, oh, yeah, you know, you'll kind of get paid in exposure, that sort of thing, right? Like, no, you're, there's no salary, but it's sort of your foot in the door. And sorry, you had to go through that. Uh, hopefully, it, you know, is something that will happen to, to less and less people over time as people become kind of aware of those like predatory tactics. But yeah, it's frustrating to, to hear that that kind of thing is, you know, still pretty common. Yeah, I know. And also some platforms where you go, they are not, there's a risk in there. And I do believe AngelList is like one of those cases. Sorry, AngelList, but. <laughs> yeah. So you mean like it kind of feeds on those, those, how would you say it? Not very upfront companies, organizations, essentially people who might look to take advantage of someone who doesn't have a career in software is just trying to, you know, build the beginnings of a career and they say oh great you'll work for free you'll do something for us that you know we would have to pay someone else to do yeah exactly yeah so when you look back at your career which you've already gone through kind of a lot of different stages from it to tech different countries what is the the best decision you would say you made sounds cliche but always being curious and try to adjust for example what i want plus with the, my current environment. For example, when I was trying to push for development and I was working kind of IT slash development slash bureaucracy paperwork, I was asking actually to my, to my boss, oh, please give me that so I can work in that, I can get experience. And that was good because uh, I guess I, I kind of I went, went good, the experience working in there. Yeah. And also she referred me to another guy from a startup in Brazil he was doing some some work in React Native app, and he wanted someone to start from scratch. And was and she referred me, and I kind of worked with him. Yeah, I think that's really solid advice to you know to ask for what you want to try to find the people who support you. It sounds like you know your boss was a, a really great example of that, and someone who wanted you to to have the career that you were excited about and that you know was making you happy or fulfilled, and to try to ask those people. Um, I went through something similar when I was transitioning from marketing to software engineering at Artsy, where, you know, there was nothing guaranteed. No one said to me like, Matt, you can be a software engineer here if you want to. But I just kind of started asking people and saying, hey, you know, I am interested in being an engineer. I want to do that here if I can. So, you know, now it's in your brain, right? And next time we're looking to hire someone, maybe you think about me. That's advice that I've benefited from as well is just kind of like putting your your desires out there, right? Making them known to the people who might have the power to do something about it. Yeah. And what in your work gets you the most excited right now? I have a lot of aspects in my mind that makes me excited. For example, last year I, I worked in a product from scratch 
And that was a very nice opportunity to see advantages of using domain-driven design aligned with this planning. I really like code. I really like everything related to it. But I do believe this planning phase is very important. And if you put a lot of energy on that planning, it's structuring uh, the product you want to go, all possibilities, all models we, you have in your application. So when you move to the code, it's very straightforward. And everyone's kind of speaking the same language, like product design, uh, marketing, who else is in there? So uh, this is something that makes me really excited right now. And in Negotiate, we are trying to implement kind of, um, because we have a lot of complexity. That, um, for example, you have an artwork. You don't know if you can offer this artwork from a conversation. You don't know if you can offer from the mm-hmm. artwork page. So we have a lot of minor rules. If you list all of them, it becomes complex right. and hard to understand. So we're trying to map everything to, to have a smooth experience when developing. This is one of the things that makes me excited. And testing. I love testing, to be honest. I see on RC we test a lot. Mm-hmm. I was taking a look gravity tests, and we have more tests than we should. So everyone wants this kind of problem. So <laughs> <laughs> more tests than you need. Yeah. So yeah, this is what I love. Also integration tests. They're kind of very solid and make you confident when you need to release new features, when you need to keep evolving without breaking stuff. So integration tests, end-to-end tests, all kind of tests. I, I really love it. Very cool. And I hear what you're saying about the complexity that crops up with something like making an offer, you know, purchasing an artwork. Like, I think especially it's a result of Artsy's business model having changed so much over the, you know, 10, 12 years of our existence and even how we think about an artwork, right? Because that is the probably most core model in Artsy, it has evolved so much over time and has kind of taken on so many bits and pieces, right? So like you said, you add a lot of little bits of logic here and there to deal with a specific case or a specific need. And over 10 years, you have a lot of buildup. So it gets very difficult to, to work on with confidence. And I'm excited to see what you and the, the negotiate team can try to wrangle out of that, that tangle right now. Yeah, you're aiming for a POC with kind of DDD implemented and then can if everything works, we can share with other teams. Yeah, so you said uh, DDD. I'm not sure what that stands for. Uh, domain-driven design, sorry. Ah, okay. So instead of starting from where are we now, how do we, you know, what's what are we working with? You say, okay, what do we want this to look like? So kind of zero indexing that thinking? Yeah. So a lot of stuff we keep in oral tradition. So you should... If you lose someone that's very important, a key person in a specific domain area, you kind of lose the track. You need to trace down all the code related to a specific behavior, and then you can understand what is going on and what the possibilities are in, in that area. So when you have everything mapped out, and this is like a living thing, you should keep evolving. Otherwise, you go to the code, you do some changes, and... Uh, the documentation became uh, deprecated. Yeah, that kind of like living documentation is so important and also takes work and takes effort to, to build and to keep up to date. So that's definitely something that I'm, I'm interested in seeing what you all come up with because I, that's a great learning experience for me as someone who's kind of just starting to get to that level of my career 
where I'm thinking more about architecture and design and modeling as opposed to how do I get my code to run? <laughs> yeah. When I started, this wasn't one of my main observation points. I was more into like, oh, the code, like this sugar syntax feature is super nice. It's going to save me like duplication of lines. And when you get more experience, you take uh, your vision kind of gets broader in the sense of you need to watch more stuff than just code. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we just talked about what you're excited about in your work right now, this you know, architecture, system design, modeling, testing. What about outside of your work? What do you do for fun? What do you get excited about uh, when it's the weekend and you're like, yes, I've got this thing coming up? Here in Germany, it's kind of interesting because I don't have any free weekend, to be honest, to like, just <laughs> chill. And I have everyone, oh, someone called me to have dinner or to lunch or to hang out in the park or to play football, play basketball, play whatever. So I have a lot of friends here. Mostly mostly them are from the church. So we have a huge, huge community here in Cologne. But despite these busy weekends, I really like to play football and basketball. That's why I'm, I got my left ankle injured. I got an ankle sprain from the past two weeks. The left? Oh, no. Yeah. When I joined at Artsy, I was recovering from ankle sprain in my right ankle. <laughs> so, <laughs> and yeah, but I'm also into music. I really do like rock and roll, a lot of different styles, lo-fi, hip-hop. I play guitar, um, acoustic guitar, electric guitar. And yeah, in Brazil, I was learning kite surf, but then I stopped because I had to come to Germany. And the water here is too cold to <laughs> get back again to it. Yeah, definitely need a, a wetsuit for that, right? I know there, there are kite surfing communities here, but uh, yeah, I think it's a little, there's a little more equipment involved in not freezing to death while you're kite surfing. Yeah, and it's special clothes to survive. But it's still cold. It's not easy. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, there are, I have seen a lot of people doing uh, kind of like land kite surfing with rollerblades or longboards, things like that uh, here in Berlin and uh, Tempelhofefeld. So that could be an interesting little outlet if you want to find that kite surfing community in Köln. Yeah, but I need to get in that level first because I'm the level <laughs> of falling. And when you're that level, the concrete's not so friendly to fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So music. Uh, you know, activities with church, with friends, uh, and kite surfing, you know, or at least uh, that's something you've done in the past, maybe getting back into it. Any other, you know, projects or, or things that you've been into recently? I'm still learning German, so, but slowly, since I work with English, and it's kind of funny because I don't have any German to have contact with and try at least the basics in my team. Or, yeah, I guess we have only, as engineers, only true two real germans yeah yeah i think that would be uh, be kaya and ole um because we are we are a very international company here in berlin we have uh you know people i think we have more brazilians than germans actually right <laughs> it's funny but yeah i also like to cook so i'm kind of barbecue meister from family when i go to uh, some meetings um and i make pasta i like to cook so but when I cook, it takes some, takes some time because I like to do some fancy stuff and not basic. Yeah, sure. What's the last thing you made that you were really happy with how it turned out? Actually, it was a barbecue in a friend's house. Yeah. Did you do like a slow roast over the coals kind of thing? or? 
No, actually, it was a fast roast, I would say. Uh, they put so many charcoal in the grill, and we start, it started kind of wildfire. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but we're getting in. Everyone were, were happy. Yeah, it's nice that it's the season to be outside and, and around with friends and making good food again. It's always a treat. Yeah, but that was one month ago and it was still cold. So <laughs> yeah. we used the, the fire to warm up a bit. Yeah, definitely. All right. It's been a pleasure talking with you. One more question before we wrap up. If you could only use one keyboard shortcut for the rest of your life, what would it be? Command space. Sure. Yeah. Open the spotlight on Mac, right? Yeah. Spotify, everything. That's a good one. It'll take you a long ways. All right. Well, Carlos, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure learning a little bit about you, your career, your journey to Artsy. And hopefully uh, we'll get to work together for many more years and do another one of these in a while. Thanks for having me. You are like the podcast master that Matt. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Ciao for now. Ciao. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Artsy Open Source. Keep up with our blog at artsy.github.io. This episode was mixed and edited by Alex Higgins. And thank you, Eve Essex, for our theme music. You can find her on all major streaming platforms. Until next time, this is Artsy Engineering Radio.